0: You know, when you, we always encourage each other. We use, we use the term family. And we always encourage each other to get to know one another. So, last of last week, uh, it's okay? Push it away? Good? Okay. So, last of last week, um, there was a visitor here from Lesotho. And then what happened was uh, I, one of the members of our church, had me, and they were like, Ibu, do you know how to speak to suit? I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to speak suit and other languages. But why you don't know that I don't know how to speak to suit? So that's the thing that you always say, that church, we are a family. Take time. Let's take time to get to know one another. Let's take time to go out for coffee. Ne? Go out for coffee, take time to, to know one another so that we can be able to grow together, so that you won't be surprised. When <laughs> so, that, so that you won't be caught by surprise and think that this guy is... No, but get to know people, meet one another. So our, chance, our church gives us that opportunity to get to know one another. Who is this person and build deeper relationships and grow with one another in Christ. I travel with Mare each and every day in the morning. We always talk about stuff and somehow... Our conversation get cut because he has to arrive at work, I have to go to work. In the, this is the way that we are building relationships and growing with one another in faith. Don't be that person who comes to church without getting to know someone. So meet people and let us grow together in faith. So uh, today we continue in our series. Uh, Luke, last week, baba Rob shared with us about the importance of discipleship. What, what Jesus, um, how dis- Jesus dis- uh, defined discipleship according to Jesus, not according to anyone else. And one of the things I love about that is that if you notice, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. Jesus doesn't go, okay, if you follow me, that's, that's, we're going to go that way, this, this way. Uh-uh. Jesus says, if you follow me, you have to take up your cross and you have to follow me each and every day. You have to hate your family. That means that my opinion, the opinions of Christ, have to matter more than your families. So Christ is always, all the time, if you read the Bible, he's always straight. And he doesn't promise them that when you follow me, you're going to have a prob- no problem, free life. You're going to be successful. Life is going to get comfortable. Nobody's going to touch you. But it's the opposite. Jesus says, if you follow me, you are going to have many, many troubles. And I remember last year when I arrived at home, I figured, I figured there was So when I was arriving, it was a traditional ceremony. And then, boom. Then I find myself in this situation now, where my uncles have grown now. They are quite old. And there is no one to stand, you know. When you are a young man, there's an expectation that when, who's going to stand and, and do stuff. So I arrived in that moment, and I'm like, ah, what am I going to do now? And everybody's like, yeah, is here. Yeah. He's the one that's going to stand. He's the one that. And I was like, mm, my faith doesn't allow me to do that. And they were like, I said, no, I, I follow Jesus. So I'm very sorry. I can't, I, I, I can't compromise my faith. And I, what do you mean? I was like, no, I, we can't allow your cousin. To, so there's a cousin, sister of mine. We can't allow your cousin to stand. I was like, you have to make a way. But my faith in Jesus, the cross that I carry, doesn't allow me to have anything. Doesn't allow me to have any voice besides the voice of Christ. That's what, that's what I told them. And you know family. Ah, but took my bag and I went to my mother's house. And I'm still here, alive. That's what Jesus says. <laughs> that's what, for me, that's what it means to carry the cross. Sometimes your family, we love our family. We want our family to be saved. But the voice of our family cannot matter more than the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is our everything. That's what Jesus meant last week when he said, you carry the cross and you follow me. The voice of TikTok doesn't disciple us. We are discipled by the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning we continue in Luke chapter 15. So we have long verses this morning, so bear with me. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse Uh, 1 to 32. So we are going to read there. uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 1. Going all the way to 32. You know this uh, parable very well. But we will continue there and reading. Now it says, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What a man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 8. Or that woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does does not light up a lamp and sweep the house and seeking diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So you see that 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 joy repeating itself. Then in verse eleven, he says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the young young of them said to his father, Father, give me the share, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property uh, in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he, be- and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out of, out of one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pawns that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring me quickly the best robe and put on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Then let us eat and celebrate. For this son was was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to him to the house. He heard the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked, What do these things mean? And he said, Your brother has, your brother has come, and your father has killed a fettened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and, and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, I have not, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you've never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, when this son of yours come who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill a fetal calf for him, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead, and now he's alive, he was lost, and now he's found. Can we pray? Let's close our eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we submit ourselves under the authority of your word this morning. Father, we ask you to speak to us, Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, Father, that above everything, we may hear your compassion, we may hear your grace, and we may hear for your love, my God. We give you glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So in today's passage, all of that I've read this morning. So you in today's passage, Jesus is dealing with a confrontation. If you remember when we started, we said there was a confrontation. So uh, there was a criticism. And that criticism was coming from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now the Pharisees were like the keepers of the law. they were people who were guarding. The the, the Old Testament, in a way, the law of Moses. So if, if you are not part of them, if you wanted to be a preacher during those days, they were the ones who had to approve you. So Jesus didn't do all of that. Jesus started teaching, and he didn't follow their rules. So And one of the things that was happening in this time is, as Jesus' ministry, Jesus was continued to preach, a lot of people started to come after Jesus. And not the type of people that uh, the Pharisees would love to follow Jesus. So Jesus was followed by sinners. Jesus was followed by test collectors. Jesus was followed by the worst of the worst people. And of course, in the eyes of the Pharisees, they didn't love this. They, they, They didn't like what was happening. They didn't like that Jesus Christ calls himself a man of God, but at the same time, he's hanging out with prostitutes. He's hanging out with test collectors. So here when we opened this, uh, uh, this, 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 this chapter today, uh, they are criticizing Jesus. And one of the things they are saying to him is that, hey, if you call yourself, this man who calls himself, sort of like, ibiza fundis, this man who calls himself a pastor, but look at the people he's working with. Look at the type of crowd that he has. Look at the type of people that they are following him. And of course, Jesus, uh, so their criticism was in two ways. Number one, is that Jesus Christ was receiving sinners. That was the first criticism that they had. And number two, that he eats with them. That Jesus sits down and has meals with these people. Now, why is that a problem for the Pharisees, especially in those days of Jesus? Now, Let me explain. In the days of Jesus, uh, to eat with someone, to have a meal with someone, that, mean, that meant that you accepted their way of life. That meant that it was a way of hospitality. It meant that you approve of what that person was doing. So, if, I'm, if, 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 if somebody, if today somebody was a thief and that person was eating with Jesus, the Pharisees saw him eating with Jesus, or people in those times saw that person eating with Jesus, that means that Jesus knows what that person is doing and he's, he's approving of it. We have Mela Ananayu. That's why he's eating with, with that person. And of course, this was not acceptable in the culture of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were people that separated themselves. They didn't want nothing to do with other people. Their, their way of belief in was one where they were just uh, separating themselves and not eating with anybody. They were just with themselves all the time. But Jesus responds to this criticism by sharing three parables. And all of these parables remind them of his true mission. Now, if you remember, when we started the book of Luke, what did we say the mission of Jesus was? Let me take the mic. Now, if you remember, if you remember uh, 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 we started the book of Luke last year, right? And we spoke about the mission of Jesus. Now I'm going to point someone, and that person is going to tell us what the mission of Jesus was. So do you guys remember what the mission of Jesus was? To save the lost? Uh, Greg gets 100 gets, get, this morning. So Jesus Christ's mission was to save the lost. So Jesus was not eating with his people because he wanted to eat with them. Jesus was eating with his people because that was the will of God. That was his mission on earth. Those were the people that, that God sent him to find. Those were the people that Jesus Christ was sent to preach to. Those sinners that he was eating with them. And the Pharisees did not understand this. The Pharisees did not approve of this. And of course, in the, in the upcoming weeks, you're going to hear about the very same complaint in the story of Zacchaeus. And Jesus is going to answer them in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And he's going to say to them, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, he says the same thing. For I came not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. So that is the true mission of Jesus. It is to call the people who are lost. It is to eat with the people who are called sinners. And if you, if you listen very well, these three parables, all of these three parables... Share a same common thread. All of them, there is, in all these three stories, there is something uh, or someone of value that is lost. There is something that is lost. In the first one, there is a lost sheep. In the second one, there's a lost coin. And in the third one, there is a lost sign. There's a lost son. And then the second one, that, that which is lost is found and is brought or retained. So, in all of these three parables, the sheep that was lost was found. The coin that was missing was found. The son that went away returned home. And the third one is, there was celebration and joy for that which is found. So to the shepherd, it was a sheep. To the woman, it was a coin. And to the father, it was the return of his son. So that's, what, that's how Jesus replies to them, by reminding them in his stories that his true mission is to find those who are lost, his true mission, the Father's joy, the Father's happiness. The f- God takes joy in finding people who are lost. And often at times as church people, you know, when we come to church, we often forget why Jesus brought us here. We often forget why we are here in the first place. And we forget that one day, as Robert said, we ourselves were lost. One day we were like the sheep One day we were like the lost coin. One day we were like the lost son. But God, in his mission and in his love, he went and he found us and he brought us into his house. Now, we cannot forget that when we arrive in the house of God, we can't forget that as much as we are here, there are still many other people out there who need to hear the good news. There are still many other people out there who need to know the love of God. There are still many people out there who need to hear about it. from a church where people used to pride themselves how long they are in the church. You know, you used to get status about how long you are in the church. So if about something they did not know you, people will tell you, you know, me, I'm 10 years in this church. You know, me, I'm five years in this church. You know, they took pride in that. So sometimes these are the things that as church people, we lost ourselves in. We think that the mission of Jesus is for us to be five years in the church. We think the mission of Jesus is to beat our chest by how long we are in the church. And sometimes we do these things. But Jesus shows us that his true mission, yes, is for us to be in his house as a family. But also his greatest joy is for us to have the same compassion that he has. And that is the love for those who are lost out there. So sometimes we come into the house of God and it's about my comfort. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, It's about my comfort. It's it's about me. It's it's no longer about the mission of God. It's no longer about the lost. It's about me. So it's about what God has to do for me. It's about my prayers. It's about me. God has to save me. But actually, God did not bring us into his house in order for for him to save us. Does that mean God doesn't love us? God loves us. The Bible tells us that God loves us. But God, at the same time, we can't forget that his greatest mission, it is to find people who are lost. Just like us, we were lost one day, and we were found, and there was a celebration. The Same thing today. Many people out there are lost. Many people out there, they need to know about the grace of God. Many people out there, like the lost sheep, many people out there, like the lost prodigal son, they need to hear about the love of God. So we can't come to the house of God and get comfortable we always have to remember that god wants to use us god wants to send us god wants us to have compassion for people who are lost just as he has compassion for for those who are lost so and maybe you are sitting down there this morning you're thinking does god care about me and that may sound a bit harsh that may sound a bit harsh but actually god does care about your well-being he has promised that he cares about our well-being The same way that the the, the shepherd leaving the 99 flood, the 99 that are behind, in order to search for that one, he didn't mean that those who are left behind, he hates them. He loves them the same way. In fact, the same way that he left uh, the 99 in order to find that one, it shows his true love. When that woman was, was sweeping the house to find, she could have said, you know what, I have 99, I don't care. That sheep could have said, you know, uh, that shepherd could have said, I have other, I have, I have other flocks, I don't care. Uh, the, the, the father could have said, you know what, I have another son, I don't care. But he doesn't do this. The, the, the shepherd says, okay, I'm going to leave this 99, and I'm going to search for that one that is lost. I'm going to leave this, this woman, goes around the house, though she has the 99, she, she, she searches for that coin, because that coin has value, because that sheep has value. Why the father did not throw away his son because his son had value as well. And I said, nothing has been heartbreaking, I think, um, for me personally. If you saw, if you see what the church has become, and if you see how the church is before COVID, you're going to see a difference. You're going to see that the church after COVID, I don't mean just the church us, but I mean the church of Christ. You mean, a whole Christian community. Immediately after COVID, everything changed. We are no longer people who are looking for others. We are no longer people who are outward looking, but rather we are looking at ourselves. We are looking at what pleases us. We are looking at, 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 at our hearts. You know, Babu Mamanj, he just spoke about our giving, that our giving is a condition of our hearts. You know, that, that is speaking of us. That graph there, it, it, it's not about money. It's about our hearts. It's about what the church has become after COVID. Somehow, it's like something happened that told us, you know what? It's all about you now. It's all about yourself. It's all about you. Think for yourself. And how do you see that? We see that in, 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 in the decisions that we make. We see that in our daily lives. Because if I have the heart of God, you know, on, 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 on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to be somewhere else. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm not going to be in the mall. I'm not going to be somewhere. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm not going to be anywhere. If, if, if I'm offered a job, if I'm given a job, uh, my deciding factor is not going to be my money. My deciding factor is going to be, hey, uh, Langiakho, where I'm going, am I going to find a place to pray? Am I going to find a place to worship God? so we see that that as time goes each and every day our hearts bit by bit is going away far away from god and what happens is that the same the things that feel the compassion of god the things that break the heart of god they don't break our heart anymore the thing that bring god's joy it doesn't bring joy to our hearts anymore and one of the ways that the bible describes who god is in the bible He's described as a good shepherd. You know in Ezekiel thirty-four, one of the things that God has with the leaders of His people, He tells them that you are not, you are no longer following Me, because you are no longer taking care of My sheep. You are no longer feeding that is lost, feeding those who are hungry. You are no longer taking care of the wounded. And God says, you know what? I am going to do it myself. I am going to go and I'm going to find those who are lost. Because Jesus, because God is a good shepherd. And his desire and his joy is to see people who are lost being found. So Jesus, in the third parable, takes things even further and makes an example about two sons. So while in the the first parable we see a difference, Jesus talks about human relationships. So he makes an example that this father had two sons. And one of the sons, in verse 12, came to him and said... Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, back in those days, for a child to come to you while you're alive is what you call an inheritance. So the law of inheritance says that in order for it to work, you have to die, and then it can become activated. As long as, that you, as, long as you are alive, you, whoever you wrote there can't go and claim your inheritance. But this, this son went to his father and said you know what i want my inheritance while his father was alive and you know in the time of jesus and in the tradition of the jewish people that is considered very very rude that is considered very rude for a child to come and say you know what i want my inheritance give me what is mine but that's what this young man said give me what is mine and therefore what the younger son did was considered very rude by the social rules of that society. It was like his father was dead. In other words, that's what you are saying to his father. You are dead to me. You are dead to me. Give me what is mine. And he, after that, he left his father's presence. And the Bible tells us he went to squander his inheritance in a very unwise way. You see, the prodigal son action went, went against all decency. And his father, not rebuking him, was a way of letting him have his own way. So when he came to his father and said, I want my inheritance, his father did not rebuke him. His father did not say no, but his father allowed him. And I don't know if you ever have children. When you have spoken to your children long enough, when you have disciplined your children long enough, you reach that point where, I'm washing my hands. I don't know if, 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 if ever that happened to you. My grandmother used to do that. When my grandmother was tired of you, she would say, you know what? I wash my hands. What that means is that my child, figure yourself out. And after that, my grandmother will never speak again. She will never speak again. She will look at you. If you come at 12, she will just look at you. You come 1 o'clock, if you do not sleep in the house, she will just look at you. Yeah, because she has done what? She has washed her hands. That's what, that's what this, but the silence of his father. It's, it's, it's like, okay, my son, I love you, but I'm going to let you have your own way. But here's a problem. Here's a twist in the parable: the son pretending like the father was dead, but he was the one actually who was dead. And this happens most of the times. This relationship, this this son and father relationship, we see this most of the time. That sometimes we, when we follow God, when you follow Jesus, it becomes like Jesus is holding you. I'm thinking to myself while preparing this, maybe this son thought that, you, you know what, my, my father is holding me back. You know, I want my freedom. I want to do things my way. I want my, my independence. My, 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 father is holding my, my father is holding me back. And, and, and most of the time, that's, that's the kind of mentality that we have. That's what sin does to us. Uh, sin is nothing more than, than us not wanting anymore the ways of God. Sin is us telling God, you know what, I want to do things my own way. I want to do do things the way that that pleases me. And like this prodigal son, like this young son, sometimes we have this this thought that we can do things on our own. That we can, you know, live life without Jesus Christ. That we can live life without God. But that's that's not the way. That's not how things work. That somehow God is ruining our life. That somehow God is holding us back. There is this constant discontent from people. I don't know if you have seen this. That when we follow Christ, there is this discontent in our hearts. That, my God, I-, I could be more. You know, stuff should be happening in my life. But in to sin. You see, our problem with God since the beginning of creation has always been sin. Brothers and sisters, sin is nothing more than a rebellion and a departure from God. So the son going to his father and asking him his inheritance, actually what was in his heart was just more than freedom. It was more than just wanting to be independent. Actually, it was sin. That's what sin does to us. Paul says in Romans 1 that the reason that humanity has problem is because they've taken a decision under the disguise of freedom they have taken a decision to deny the existence of God. And Paul, Paul, Paul spends a lot of Romans 1 arguing about that, that the reason that things, some of the things are happening is because people, they told themselves, you know what, we don't want nothing to do with God. We want to live our own lives. And sometimes what hides or masks itself as a form of independence and ambition of freedom is nothing more than a rebellious Against God. And that's what sometimes we hear there outside. That we want freedom all the time. Whenever you hear young, if you're a teenager, you know, I want freedom. We want our independence. We want... And most of the time, it's not about freedom. Most of the time, the root of that freedom, it is sin. The root of that independence, it is sin. It is nothing more than what the young son did to his father. It is nothing more than us saying to God, you know what, God, I want to do things on my own. I want to live my own life. I want to do things the way that pleases me. And you know, I've had the, the, the sad experience of witnessing in my own life, but not, also, but not that in my own life, but also in the life of my friends. I have seen what freedom, I have seen what independence, and I have seen what ambition, when it's rooted in sin, I have seen what it does. I have felt it in my own life. There were times in my life where I go, I went against the word of God. And every time, I was, every time I went against the word of God, I paid for it. Because sometimes that's what the devil tells us. That's what the enemy tells us. That God is binding you. That God doesn't want the best for you. That God doesn't want to give you things. But actually that's a lie. It is nothing more than sin and rebellion. It is nothing more than us taking a decision to say to God, God, you know what? I want to live my own life. And you know, sin is like this beautiful, uh, this beautiful gift. I don't know if, if you have ever seen a gift wrapped very well. Sin is like this beautiful gift. Sin will never, sin will never come and, and talk about consequences. Sin doesn't, doesn't deal with consequences. When you are tempted to do something, you don't think about the consequences. You only think later on, yes, I have done something wrong. But while the thing is happening right now, you you don't think about that. That's how sin is. That's how sin presents itself. Like this beautiful thing. Like this beautiful present. You know, with the promise of freedom and independence and, 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 and ambition. Sometimes people, you know, I want to have my own freedom. But after that, there is nothing more. It's nothing but misery. It's nothing but enslavement. And sometimes those, those consequences last a very long time. And that's what the prodigal son found out. Maybe when he was asking from his father, he thought, man, I have my own freedom. But later on, he discovered that whoever decides to go away from the presence of God will face the consequence of sin. The prodigal son toiling in the pig pen. It's an, is an unpleasant life of someone who's toiling in the life of sin. You know, in 2 Peter, Peter reminds the people in 2 in, in Peter chapter 2, verse 19, that th- th- this thing that is called freedom, because we love that, this thing that is called freedom, Peter says, and says it's nothing more than sin. It's nothing more than sin that is going to keep repeating itself over and over and over again. Brothers and sisters, there's no freedom in sin. The results of sin is always death. But there is a twist into this story. There's a change where the story is moving now. It's moving in another direction. So, the son, this, this prodigal son, took his father's inheritance, went and destroyed it, and found himself in a very difficult moment where he was, he was working in a pig pen, taking care of pigs. But then, somewhere along the way, he had a change of heart. He started to think, he started to reason. And verse, ni- verse 17 to 19, he says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants who have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go, to my sa- and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. The prodigal son, in his dire, miserable situation, he came to himself. So while he was struggling with that, while he was going through that, The Bible, verse 17 to 19, tells us that he came to himself. The Bible tells us that, in other words, he came to himself. He came to his senses. In other words, he repented. He started to to think in a way that is different. That, man, I'm struggling in this this life, but many of my father's servants are having the best. So he repented. And in his thinking, he didn't try to change the, the environment that he was working on. So the the, the 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 prodigal son didn't say, you know what, I'm working in a pig pen and I'm gonna try to make this situation better. The prodigal son did not blame his father. The prodigal son did not adopt a victim of you know, adopt a mentality of a victim and say, you know what, I am here today because society is bad, I am here today because the government is bad, I am here today because this and this. He didn't do that. He didn't take his phone and go to TikTok because that's what people do today. He didn't take his phone and go to TikTok and says, you know what? My situation is very, very terrible. And he didn't do all of this. But what did he say? He says, I will go back to my father. I will go back to my father. That is repentance. Repentance is recognizing where you have done wrong and changing your ways. He did not blame his father. He did not blame society. But he told himself, you know what? I will go back. To my father. But rather, he repented. He said, I will rise and go to my father. And that's the good news of the gospel, brothers and sisters, is that no matter how lost we are in sin, this young man was lost. No matter how lost we are in sin, we have a loving father who's ready to welcome us with loving arms. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, one of the beautiful invitations of the Bible, God is calling the people and he's saying to them, Come, let us reason together. Even if your sins are so red, like a scarlet wool, but God promises that I will will wash them to be whiter than the snow. That is the love of God, and that is the grace of God. That this morning, whoever you are, you can come to God, and God can clean you. The key word in that verse is that God says, come. This is the invitation of God. When he comes back, he says, Father, make me. So when he left, he said, Father, I want my inheritance. But now even the way that he talks to his father is different because now he has repented. He said, Father, please make me just as one of your servants. That's what repentance does. Repentance changes the way we see things. Repentance changes the way we view life. Repentance changes the way we think about certain things. That is true repentance. In other words, he repented, And he laid all aside. He laid his pride aside. He laid all of everything aside. And what about you? Are you going to lay it all aside and come to God this morning? Are you going to say to God, my God, I accept the invitation of coming to you. I know that I'm living a life that is not pleasing to you. Like the lost prodigal son, I'm lost. But this morning, I accept this invitation of coming. And I repent that Father, make me as one. Of your children. So in verse twenty to twenty-four, one of the things that you see there is there is restoration. At first there was sin, and then there was repentance, and now there was restoration. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still away off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and, and said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and in the calf and kill it. Let us celebrate this son of mine that was lost. And here in his verse, Jesus gives us a clear picture of what the grace of God looks like. So the young man was, was he, even, he was practicing his speech. That while he, he was on his way, on his way of practicing his speech, this is what I'm going to say to my father. This is what I'm going to say to my father. But the Bible tells us that while he was coming, his father ran to hug him. And if you notice there, while he's trying to explain, you know, father, I'm wrong. His father doesn't even listen to your explanation. Instead, his father hugs him and kisses him. My brothers and sisters, that is the grace of God. You're telling us that, you know, when God forgives you, God doesn't come back. God doesn't keep a receipt. God doesn't come back and says, you know what, I forgave you one day. I forgave you again this time. I forgave you this time. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't even need for us to explain our sins. When we come to God, God forgives us and washes us, washes our sin to be whiter than the snow. What a picture of God's love and his grace. What a picture of God, of, of a God whose heart is filled with compassion and is ever ready to welcome us. As we return to him, the son, is restored to, not, the son is restored to a full privilege of being a son. All that the son wanted was to be a servant, but his father does something much more. He restores him into becoming a son all over. Again, and we deal with the last part. In verse 25, now the older son was in the field and his, he came through near to his house. He heard the music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, What does these things mean? And he said, your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf. Uh, Because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So we see here that this father had two sons. Now, both of them were lost. So the only difference here is that the younger son left his father and was lost in the world. But the older one was still in the house. He was still working for his father. He was still there with his father. But through this, through this verse, Jesus reveals the attitude. Jesus reveals that even though this son is with his father every day, but he still has bitterness in his heart. He still finds it difficult to forgive his brother. So when he comes from the field and then he hears what's going on here, what's going on here? and they tell him, your brother has come back, and he becomes angry. All of a sudden, he becomes angry. So in this parable, Jesus shows us that not only was the younger son lost, but also the older son lost. So in, in, in his conversation with his father, the older son revealed that his father's relationship was based on, perform, on performance. Because he tells his father that I have served you for many years, but you have never done anything for me. I don't know if you've ever made that prayers to God sometimes. I have made that prayers where I think that because, I'm, I'm, because I've fasted for this, because I've done this, therefore I'm entitled to receiving uh, whatever God has to give to me. I have made that prayers where I'm like, God, I have done this and this, but I deserve to be this. That's what the son is showing us here. He despises his brother and is bitter towards him. Verse 30, and he doesn't understand grace and Forgiveness. How often do we feel like the older son sometimes and think that we are entitled to God's blessing because of our performance? How, do, how often do we miss God's heart and think we are better than the people out there? Brothers and sisters, even though the younger son was lost, he came back. But this other son was also lost because he was in the house, but he, does, he didn't understand his father's heart. He didn't understand that his father was a very, very loving man. He didn't understand that his relationship with his father was not based on performance, but rather was based on love and grace. And it's possible that today I may think, well, I'm not lost because I'm in the church. But it's possible to be in the church and still be lost. It's possible to be in the church and still have a heart that is unforgiving. It's possible to be in the chair of the church, but still have bitterness inside of me. That's possible. And I am not different than the people who are out there who know nothing with Christ. The only difference is that I come to church every day. I come to church every Sunday, but I am lost as they are. Because had I understood what the grace of God means, then my heart would not be so difficult to forgive. Had we understood, that I understood what the heart of God is and his joy is finding people who are lost, then I will be in the house of God, but my heart will be forgiving. And that's what Jesus is showing the Pharisees, that as much as you claim to know God, but also you are not different from these people you, you, you are condemning. You are not different from them. The only difference that, the only difference that you know the Old Testament but you're not different because you are bitter and you are failing to understand the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, as we finish this morning, I want to pray for us. I want to call us back to Christ. I want to call us back to Jesus Christ. Yes, I see you You are in church, but I can't see your heart. I can't see what is here inside of you. And it's easy, you know, when people used to preach about the prodigal son, we used to think that Those who are lost. But actually, Jesus is showing us that it's possible to be in the house of God and still be lost like those people who are out there. And I want to pray for us this morning that, Father, if I am the older son, if I am here this morning and I'm missing your heart, Father, help me. If I am here this morning and I have bitterness against someone, I am not better than those who are out there who have nothing to do with you. I am lost as that coin and I am lost as that sheep. And I want to come to you that you may find me this morning. We have the stations there. We're going to go there and we're going to grab the elements and we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. Make your way there and grab the bread and grab the grape juice as well. Why don't you grab the element um, and just lift up the bread and lift up the grape juice and let us pray. Father, in our hands we are holding the bread that is a symbol of your body and we are holding, my God, the grape juice that is a symbol of your blood. The very same blood on Isaiah that you said, you'll wash us to be, our sins to be whiter than the snow. Father, I cannot think of a greater faith than to be in the house of God, but to be lost. Father, we pray that this morning, it's so easy, my God, to think that I am not lost, because I'm not out there drinking, I'm not out there robbing, I'm not out there doing all those people, what they are doing, but to find out that, though I say like that, I'm I'm still holding on to things of the past. Father, we pray this morning, our Lord Jesus, that if any of us, we see ourselves either as the younger son that is lost in sin or as the older son that is in the house but is also lost. Father, we pray for your mercy. We pray for your grace. We pray, Father, that the same way that you reach out to these two sons, my Lord, Father, we pray that you may reach out to us, my God, for the honor and for the glory of your name. You can eat the bread, And you can drink the grape juice this morning. And I'm going to say a prayer for us. And we are going to finish. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. And we believe, my God, that you are washing our sins. Whoever came here this morning, my Lord, feeling the weight of their sins. Father, I have no doubt that if they have accepted the invitation of coming to you, Lord, you have washed away their sins. And not only just washed away their sins, but also give them them the right to become the children of God. And Father, those who are here this morning feeling like the older son, my God, finding it difficult to forgive, still ha- having things of the past, Lord Jesus, I pray that your mercy may reach out and give them a new heart, my God. I pray for your church. I pray that you may be people, my God, who have compassion for the things that you have compassion for, my Lord, for the honor and for the glory of your name. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.